0: What's up, Rad Dads? Welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads podcast hosted by none other than the two Raddest Dads on the East Coast. In studio tonight is myself, Rob, myself. I call myself Rob again, Rob. Let's and not start Rob. that again. <laughs> uh, we also have a special guest on tonight. Um, not only is he a Rad Dad, but he also, but also a partner at CEO International where he coaches CEOs on how to be successful. He co-founded National Services Group which employs 2,500 people across three brands nationwide, he is a leader, entrepreneur, a family man. Following the suicide of his 14-year-old son in 2018, Jason started the foundation TellMyStory.org, a nonprofit organization built to educate and empower parents uh, by sharing the best and latest resources they need to identify and understand how to support their children, their children's mental health struggles. The foundation also helps generate awareness through powerful media projects that compels parents and kids to share their stories. Jason has shared his experience in two TED Talks, the documentary film, Tell My Story, a new film, What I Wish My Partner Knew, and Tell My Story's other educational programs. He is starting a nationwide campaign offering educators and parents free tools and resources to support their children and students' mental health. His mission is to prevent other families from going through this unimaginable experience and kick-starting the conversation around mental health at home between parents and children. Please help me welcome to the show, Jason Reed. Jason, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, gentlemen. It's an honor to be here. Thank you.
2: Thanks for joining. So, yeah. Jason, is there anything else you want to expand on besides what my co-host already eloquently laid out?
1: No, I think that's... Um... You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'll give you a little bit more backstory on this. Ryan passed away, um, five years ago in March and uh, we didn't see it coming. We didn't see the signs. There were no signs from, from my perspective because we weren't looking for them. Now, when you look back on it, there, there were some signs. I just didn't know what signs were because we, like a lot of people didn't, we thought mental health issues were somebody else's problem, not ours. Um, so we weren't looking for them. And um you know it's it's interesting you know when when it all happened, you go life's never the same right so i I've had a wonderful life i um, I've had one of those lives that lives that people probably want to have in a lot of ways in terms of success and things I've done and all that kind of stuff uh, but when somebody like this happens, it's a gut punch, and nothing's ever the same. So, when it, when it did happen and Ryan passed away, I wanted to make a difference. And so I got home the day after we took him off of life support and decided I was going to start a foundation. And the first one I founded was actually called chooselife.org because I wanted like, what I want people to do, is choose life over death. So I said, choose, choose life. And, you know, I didn't realize till, you know, six months in when someone said to me that I was the old anti abortion site and that's why it cost me ten thousand (laughs) dollars so i'm like oh (laughs) so we actually ran with that for a bunch of years and 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 if you go to choose life.org it's still there um but my original concept was i wanted to end teen suicide by the year 2030 because i was um a business guy and i thought that everybody was doing this wrong so everybody's just doing this the wrong way we're raising awareness for suicide and everybody's already aware i'm going to go in there with a big goal i'm going to make this happen because that's what i do And I was candidly arrogant, and I was angry. Um, And I realized in the last couple of years that, well, pretty soon after that, that that there's a lot of really good people in the space trying to make a difference. But the the problem is overwhelming. And so I changed a lot of my focus in the last eighteen, you know, last twelve to eighteen months during COVID, after COVID, to really trying to say that here's the message I want to give the parents. And that is that there are not enough therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists, doctors, in-house therapy sessions, all that kind of stuff that you might want for your kids. There's just not enough of them. And then if you go into the whole idea of A, B, and C players, well, there's A, B, and C players in every single part of life. So not, not every therapist is a great therapist. And then you get to the point of saying, how many actually want to deal with suicidal teens? Well, if I'm a therapist, it's a hell of a lot easier to say I'm going to deal with a, with um, marital trauma or a marital therapist or all that kind of stuff because there's not much to lose. I work with you, you get divorced, you don't get divorced, whatever. I'm never going to think about it again. But if I'm going to take on a suicidal teen and I lose that teen, that's something I live with the rest of my life. So there's not enough of those people, and they're amazing people. But there's not enough of them to help you. And so my message to parents is: you have to own your kids' mental health the way you own your kid's physical health. You have to be the one because there's not enough people out there to make a difference. And that's really what I'm trying to educate people on and help them on and give them the tools they can, they can use themselves to be better parents. And one final thing before I jump into your questions, guys, is that, um, you know, it's the, the, just the reality of the whole situation is that, you know, I don't want this to make this about suicide today. If we can do that. Because the chances that your child is going to die of suicide, probably pretty slim. Like, even though it is the number two killer of kids, got it. But what's that? Seven, 10,000 kids in a year. It's a lot of kids. Chance to be your kid? Probably not. But 40% of kids right now and adults are experiencing major depression and anxiety issues that can lead to something terrible. So 40% of kids. So chances are one of your kids will have a time where they're experiencing major depression or anxiety. And that's no way to live. And we need to be better at talking them through those issues and helping them through those issues. Let's not make this about suicide today because that's probably not going to happen. But depression and anxiety, there's a good chance you're going to run across it. Make sense?
0: Absolutely. Uh, and Jason uh, our condolences for the loss of your son um, I, you. I know it's it's five it's five years and and as you were getting into it it, it seems as as, as as fresh as, as it was as, as seems as it was yesterday um, mm-hmm. you were getting all choked up and I and I can't imagine um, the feeling um, the, the question I have or we have how do you how do you educate parents to identify? signs. What 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 is there? What should they know? Um and and the tools that you have and resources. Um what should they what what should they look for?
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you today the things you should look for and then things that you can do yourself to make a difference. Because I think that's really important that that everybody who's listening this is going to walk away with, okay, what can I do? I want them to have tools so they can walk away with I'm gonna give you today, but let's start with the signs. um when your kid changes it's easy to say well they're they're becoming teenagers they're going through you know puberty and therefore they're a little grumpy maybe and maybe not i thought ryan was 13 going on 14 he was grumpy right i had four kids i had three older than he was I, he was the least grumpy i thought that was the least i didn't have anything to worry about but when you look back on it right ryan was spending more time in this room Caring less about school,
3: less about his friends, and a lot grumpier.
1: All signs that he's not thinking straight. But I thought, you know, we hung out and we were having fun and we watched movies every night and everything was fine. And I thought we had a good relationship. Turns out he was hiding everything from me as I found out later. But you have to watch for changes. And not every change is going to mean that your child is suicidal or your ch- child is depressed or anxious, but uh, far too many times we don't take this stuff seriously. And a lot of that has to do with wh- when when we grew up, it just wasn't a big deal. Like, I'm not, well, you guys are younger than me, but I'm 56, right? So I'm going, there just wasn't a whole bunch of this stuff going on when I was 56 because the world was different. The kids are under so much pressure right now. They're thinking about so many different things. Is this making sense? Like, guys, when I grew up, the phone rang. It was on
3: the wall. Right? And my father answered it.
1: And he decided if you were gonna to talk to that person on the phone or not. How long are you were gonna to talk to him for? And then he stood there and listened to your whole conversation. That's what it was like being 14 when I grew up. I didn't know or care about what was going on in the world because I was a kid. My job was to go to go to school and go out and play and nothing else. I didn't watch the news. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't care. Right? It was forty. It was 42 years ago. We didn't care about that kind of stuff. You take a look at your kids, and I know you guys have young kids, and you're in the thick of things right now. Your kids get to think about this. They get to think about global warming and whether the world will be around in 10 years. They get to think about whether there's going to be a nuclear attack and a war with Russia or a war with China. They got to think about whether COVID was going to kill them and all their friends. They get to worry about how much school costs, how they're going to pay for it, if they're going to be able to get into school or not. In grade in college. The pressure these kids are under is so much different than it used to be. So yes, what happens? You have got to look for change. How are they feeling? Are they are they are they worried about stuff? You've got to have those conversations with them. Am, am, I, am I making sense? The floor is yours. The stage is yours. It's not a pro, not a problem at all. So that's the kind of stuff you, you want to look for changes. And the biggest thing is that whether you see the changes or not, because sometimes they might hide them, right? People Here's the misnomer: People think that it's always the sad kid in the corner who's not talking to anybody, who takes their own life or is depressed or anxious. It's not. It's also the quarterback. It's also the cheerleaders, the head cheerleader. the, The kids are the most friendly that everybody thinks. How did that ever happen? They're keeping inside. So it's not so much about the signs. It's about having a relationship with your children where they feel like they can tell you anything, where they can talk to you,
3: where they want to talk to you. And
1: that's where a lot of us, including me, kind of probably screw up because we have a parent relationship or in some cases too much of a friend relationship with our kids, but our kids don't really feel like they can, they can tell us whatever's going on in their mind. Does
3: that make sense? I've met
0: a lot of, I've met a lot of families that where they, they have kids that are open with them. They tell them the first minute they come through the door from school they tell them about everything that happened at school, good, bad, whatever it was. Just conversation, you know, with, with their parents. And then there's other parents where kid comes home from school. How was the school? Okay, anything happen? Nope. So, so it's like, all right, now you got to try and extract the information from the kids to see, you know, what. Happened,
1: and that's what most. That's most that's most kids, right? So most kids and most parents have this relationship where teenagers absolutely don't want to talk to their kids, their parents. When they become twelve, I mean they're amazing, right? When they're when they're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, they you love them, they love you, you're your hero. They become thirteen, fourteen, you're like, What the hell happened to my kid? Not all kids, but a lot of kids. Right? Now they're hanging out with different people, now they don't want to talk to you, now you're not cool. Please drop me off like Five blocks before school, is that want anybody see you? Like all that stuff goes on, right? Um so the toughest the biggest question I get is like, Jay, okay, I get it. You want me to talk to my kids, you want to be open with my kids. You want my kids to be able to talk to me like so but my kid doesn't want to talk to me. Like, how do I talk to my kids? That's one of the bigger things I got, right? So I I like to start with telling you how not to talk to your kids. Here's the way you don't want to talk to your kids. You don't want to barge into their room when they're doing something else and say, we need to talk because I just listened to this podcast. (laughs) I need to know what's going on in your life, and you need to tell me now. That's the wrong way to talk to your kids because, candidly, the only time they get by themselves, the only thing they have in life that is theirs Is that little room and that little bed and that little space and they need it. And when you barge in, you're in you're you're you know you're jumping in their space. And I get it. You paid for the house, it's yours, you own everything, blah, 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 blah. I get all of it, right? It doesn't freaking matter. The only thing they have in life is that one little space. Give them that space. Don't try to have the tough conversation in their space. And here's what happens: you all know how this works. When you're there's times when your kids want to talk to you. We all know it. It's always inconvenient. And suddenly, and boys especially, right, they'll be suddenly really talkative. That's the time you lean in. Okay, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. It could be when you're driving home from school, it's after a baseball game, it's after a soccer game, maybe you take them fishing, maybe you do whatever you're going to do with them, right? But they're, they're just suddenly talkative. And boys don't talk a lot. Girls talk a lot. Boys don't talk a lot. And, boy, and maybe they talk to you, maybe they talk to your wife, whatever. you got to figure that part out, right? But you've got when they lean in and they want to talk, that's when you go for it. That's when you go, okay, tell me more. I just want to know more. And here's where we all screw it up or most of us screw
3: it up. When they start talking to us, we, instead of listening, we do what? What do you think we do?
0: We try to either correct or challenge them.
1: Yeah, because we're parents, right? So we're going to, we're going to help them with what they have their problem. We're going to fix their problem, or we're going to use this as a teaching moment, right? Because that's what parents do. The moment we start doing that, depending on the kid, it can completely backfire. And let me tell you how that works. If you're dealing with someone who is actually depressed, who does have anxiety, who might be suicidal,
3: and they open up to you, and you try to fix them, what happens? Do you know? Any ideas? They shut down. They shut down. Yeah. They don't want
1: to talk to you. And the next time, they won't talk to you. But we all think we're doing the right thing, right? So I'm, I want to give you this analogy for saying: I live in Southern California, and most days I'll look outside my window. There's not a cloud in the sky, except for this winter. But not a cloud in the sky. If I was sitting here with someone who is depressed or anxious, and they looked outside, they may only see clouds.
3: And there's nothing I can say that's going to make those
1: them believe there's no clouds. Nothing. They're only going to see clouds. And I go, dude, there's not a cloud in that sky. What are you talking about? Are you nuts? Where's the cloud? I don't see the cloud. They're only going to see clouds. The only thing you can do to someone who feels depressed or anxious or seeing life differently, and it's never logical to you or me. I've never been depressed. So I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get it.
3: Right? All you can do is ask them about their clouds. Tell me about your clouds. What do they look like? Are they always there? How do they make you feel? Do they come and go? Are there good clouds and bad clouds? Describe them to me. And then resist with every bit of your body and go,
1: dude, there's lots of them. And that's silly. Why do you think that way? The minute you try to judge them or fix them, they shut down.
3: And we all try to do it.
1: Because it's natural as a parent to try because you you're they tell you that, you know, they they broke up with their girlfriend and they're 15 years old and their world has now come to an end and they don't see a reason to live anymore. And we say, Oh my gosh, there's so many other you're such a great looking guy, or a great looking girl, and there's so many other people out there. If they don't see The beauty in you the way I do, then screw them. There's so many other people out there. You're gonna be fine. That doesn't help someone who's really depressed or anxious. That makes them go, I'm just you don't get it, and I'm not gonna talk to you. And what you want them to do is want to tell you everything because they feel safe telling it to you. And this is this is hard for people. This is hard. This is really hard. But this is what a therapist does, right? They get you to talk and they get you to tell, people, tell you how they feel, and they don't judge you. And then the more you talk, there's something magical that happens, and it is
3: magical, guys. They feel better
1: because they're talking. The whole concept behind talk therapy is getting someone to talk about their problems and, and open up about their problems and just talk about them. And you don't have to be a therapist. You don't have to be trained. You don't have to go to school. You just have to get, you have to talk to people, ask questions, and listen. And it works really well with all your kids. And by the way, guys, if you haven't figured it out yet, and you probably have, it works well with your wife too. She doesn't want your advice. How many times have your wife said, I don't want you to tell me what to do? (laughs) I don't want you to fix my problem. I just want you to listen.
2: You to listen. So true. Sal hears it all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, I'm a good listener. I'm a good listener. I I, I don't. I try to. And hear yeah, I try to give the the guidance to my wife that she is looking for.
1: If she asks give for her, it, I
0: give her, right? Sure. I, I don't. If she's not. I typically know when she's looking for some guidance and I I give her two scenarios and it's up to her to decide on which scenario (laughs) she wants to to take.
1: I'm sure, I'm sure you're great at I mean, you guys, you guys are doing this podcast You do it. You you guys are, you're, you're here giving people advice because you know what you're doing and you talk to so many different people about it. Um, But I'm saying in general, it's hard though, because when your kid is hurting, all you want to do is help them. But the I mean, natural they're reaction of how we want to help them, it's just it it backfires on us. Yeah. as at least
2: in my experience as a parent, you want to fix their problems. You want you want them to be a kid forever. You know, it's you know, but part of our job and the job we signed up for when we decide to have kids is to prepare our kids to become adults. And that's one of like probably for me, one of the hardest obstacles, especially with a twelve and nine year old, is you're like all right, you're about to hit that, that cusp. Um, and I could see you hitting it, but we got to prepare you. You know, you got to start growing up a little bit. And I remember even when I was a kid, my dad would be like, Hey, you got to grow up. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want to grow up. Um, I, Like it's, and you know, it's, it was forced, it's forced upon you when you get to high school, when you get to college. And, you know, I think that's one of the things a lot of people you know, talk about college and how it's not really required. I think one of the things college does do is kind of prepare you to be an adult by being out on your own, being that segue. Yeah, of course it does.
1: But, of course, I'm, I'm and I'm not saying that you don't want to build resilient kids. We absolutely want to build resilient kids. I'm not saying go in there and protect your kids from, from every scrape and everything and every breakup in their lives. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying instead of going and fixing it for them when it happens, just listen to them about it. And only give advice when they want it, because that's that's how you get people to listen to you. That's what you get. How people want to talk to you. And and yeah, I think one of the big problems we have is we haven't grown resilient kids. Right? We bubble wrap them, and therefore, when the little problem hits, they're like, "I my whole world fell apart." And that's and that's a you know that's not a my generation problem. This is more of a younger generation problem where, you know, no everybody wanted to make sure they got a trophy. Mm-hmm. I mean. Not how I grew up. I was picked last in every sport every single time, and that's my biggest lesson in life.
0: (laughs) It is definitely. I'm going to admit it is definitely a challenge for me not to give my kids advice on how to fix the issue that they're having. Um, I'm guilty of it. If they come to me with a problem, or if they're telling me something that there's an issue, I try to give them the solution to their problem instead of just listening to them.
1: I try to fix it. Yeah, I, because you care and you, and you, you love, love them. In charge. Yeah, and you love them, and you're you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing you're you're being a great dad. I'm just saying that they. If you're, and, and you know, if you're dealing with a kid who wants it, who's, who's like, they don't have any, any, they're not depressed, they're not anxious, maybe they just want advice. They might just be, I want advice, tell me what to do. But instead of my suggestion, still so offering and telling them, here's what you do, which but dude, guys, I'm, I own 10 different companies. I coach 20 more. I, my entire day is people coming to me with, I have a problem, What do I do? Like from five in the morning till seven o'clock every night, that's my, that's my life. The phone rings constantly. It's jam packed from, from all that time with calls every hour on the hour with, I have a problem. No one calls me with anything good. Right? So there's, there's nothing good. There's nothing. There, no one calls Jay with, I want to tell you a great story about something good. That I have. Like, okay, I have a problem. Like, all right, fine. Let's talk about it. So I get it. Right? But they're asking me for, for advice. You just have to, you have to make sure that they want your advice. And and you, and instead of jumping in with, here's how you do it. Like, well, how do you think you should solve it? Like, what could you do? What what do you, what's another way to deal with that? Like, how did you feel? What did you, what did you do? And what, what are you going to do tomorrow?
2: So that's, I mean, that's so true even with anything in school that they're dealing with or in sports, it's, um, or with their friends it's like, all right, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle, how are you going to handle that? Well, dad, what's the answer? Oh, I'm not giving you an answer. You show me how, you know, you came up with that answer and I'll help you with how to think about it. I'm not going to give you the answer, you know, especially with what the math they do today at, in sixth grade. I don't know if we were doing that math at sixth grade, but you know, it's a lot oh, of you got to no. think through and make sure you understand what the problem is. And, and if you, you don't understand the concept You're not going to get, no matter what you do next, you know, the next day or the next day or the next day, you're you're not going to get it right. So I'm not going to sit here and feed you the answer. And I a hundred percent agree with you. It's don't provide the solution, make them think it through. And I assume you do the same thing with, with, you know, your clients. It was like, Hey, okay, you got a problem. Let's think it through and let's see if we can get you to come up with the answer as we talk about it. And that's, you know, that's what I do with my teams. And, we, you know, when we have issues, we kind of talk it through. And, all right, it's not going to take one of us. It'll maybe take three or four of us or, you know, multiple conversations to kind of alleviate the situation. So,
1: but I, you I also learn what people want. Really right? important. Yep. Yeah. But you, you start to learn what people want. I've got some clients who just tell me what to do. I'm going to go do it. I'm like, great. You mm-hmm. what you need, you're going to need to do And I've got some who want to talk through it. I've got my, some of my kids, you know, they'll call me up but tell me exactly what to do because I need this, I got this problem. And, And, you know, my young, my youngest, 20, who's twenty one, and we like don't tell me what to. I don't want to. Know, I don't don't tell me anything. Which I have to follow up. With, don't you know how much people pay me for my advice? What's wrong with you?
0: <laughs> but it, it's amazing the different personalities. Um, so, Jason, if should a parent identify? Okay, I think there's an my child has an issue. Yeah, I, I think something's not right. Yeah. Um. Obviously they're the parent they're trying to be the parent they're trying to do the right thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: what what do you suggest the parent do?
1: okay so let's assume that we we've, we've got them talking right because we, we got to that path and I've got a couple of tools for you too that we just came out with that might be able to help more with that but um we've got them talking you find out that okay you know i've uh, I'm just really sad and I just don't think I I just don't know I just I can't talk. I can't continue. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you get this feeling, you're like, okay, I I need to ask you this question. And you have to ask this question if you feel that way. Have you ever thought about hurting yourself? I need to know. You can't be afraid to ask that question. And a lot of parents think, well, if I ask that question, I'm going to put the idea in their head. You're not putting the idea in their head. It's already in their head. All right? You need to ask the question is, have you thought about it? Have you thought about hurting yourself? No, I'd never do that. What are you nuts? Of course, I wouldn't do that. Okay. I,
3: I got to ask. Right? I'm worried. Or, yeah, yeah, I have. Okay. What's that? What have you thought about? And you got to stay calm.
1: You can't freak out. And I said, well, I've, I've, I've thought about it. I thought about it. And, okay, what does that look like? Well, I've thought about cutting myself. Okay. Well, to have you. Well, no. I just thought about
3: it. Okay, I thought of taking my life. Oh, huh.
1: okay. People think about that from time to time. Did do you, do you have a plan or something? Because people do think about it, right? It does cross people's minds. I'm. I i do not want to live. So that doesn't mean you need to take them to the hospital. That means you just have to keep talking to them. But if they can tell you, yeah, I was, I'm, I was planning to to take all the pills that are your 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 medicine cabinet next. Tomorrow night,
3: and that was my plan. Or God forbid, I know where you keep your gun. Then we have to
1: get them directly to a, a hospital or a doctor or a hospital, because that's serious. Make sure that we're having someone deal with them. And and I'm by the way not saying that you should never have a therapist for kids, but you should if, if you feel like you need to, right? But I'm saying that. You, you don't have to You have to ask the questions to get to the problem. You can't go, hey, so you know my life's I just my life sucks and I, I just I don't know how I feel about it and leave it at that. You have to go. Let's go that one step further. Does that make sense, guys?
2: When everything happened in two thousand eighteen, how did it change how you parented your other three older kids?
3: Oh, huh. great question. So. I was, here's how I lived my life. I would show up
1: at home as a guy who had no problems. I was not very vulnerable at all. I show up as a guy who ran companies, owned companies, coached CEOs. I was an Ironman finisher, a black belt. I'd written seven books. I speak all the time. I have no problems, no issues. Everything's great, always a smile on my face. Kids never saw me cry. The reality of the sign of the whole thing was, you know, I've failed at twenty five companies. I think at that time I might have failed at eighteen companies. My kids didn't know that. I'd lost millions of dollars. I've made millions and lost millions, right? But I've lost millions of dollars. My kids never knew. My wife never knew. I had almost lost the house and gone bankrupt three times. No one knew.
3: So I was not authentic at home. I showed up as a dad because I thought no one should know what's going on. You're gonna protect them. So, unfortunately what happened, partially what happened is that that's how Ryan saw me. So when Ryan had issues, he must've thought, well, it must be me. It's my dad's life. It's all good. Sorry. No one apologize. No need to apologize. So I became a lot more vulnerable with my kids. My wife,
1: a lot more, not trying to protect them. Now, I'm not suggesting by any means that you go home and tell your wife and kids you might be losing the house on Thursday. That's not what I'm going to suggest you say. But I think that if you're more vulnerable, if you're you're able to say, look, I had a tough day at work today, and there's this person there I just don't like, and they're kind of a bully. And you're more, and you can start
3: that conversation. Your kids can say, "I got a bully at school too." What's your bully do? And there's a better connection between you and your kids. So I wasn't that guy. I showed up as Superman and no problems, and I wish I didn't. So I'm a, a lot more connected now. I think that's huge because I think most dads do come
2: home and try to be the, um, the, the Superman, the protector yeah. of the family and aren't vulnerable and aren't authentic and tr- honestly try to say, hey, everything's fine. You now, not everyone's losing millions, making millions and losing the house. But I think uh, honestly, you know, when you when you come home, you have a tough day at work. You're like, all right. You know, I, I remember the advice is always leave it in the car or leave it, leave it somewhere else. Don't you know, don't bring that that negativity home or don't bring that that home. Be, you know, be present obviously, but at the same point, you know, that's your work life. That's different. That's you know, you don't have to talk about that. Or, you know, even financials, like my son was asking me about the stock market the other day and telling me how his friend made sixty thousand dollars. I was like, first of all, there's no way. And if you did great. <laughs> I said I said, but you know, you have to understand that, you know, based on what you do, you have to be vulnerable. I said, I've lost money. Well, how much money have you lost? I've lost more than I've wanted to. And I said, it's, you know, it's not, you're not always making money. It's a, it's an up and down battle. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, even, I didn't even think about it at the time now that you say that I'm glad I approached it that way versus being like, no, I've, I've never lost money. Like I I was definitely more authentic than, you know, you traditionally are.
1: But we I mean, we we, we we want to protect them. Like, we we want to protect them. We want to, We we want to fix them. We want to protect them. And unfortunately, when you're dealing with someone who has depression, anxiety, and you show up that way, you're not helping them. And that doesn't mean I, I somebody think- who a kid who doesn't have the issues. You might be it might be just fine, right? But I'm saying that's just it's not helpful in that particular situation.
0: I, I think as men. We've been conditioned to keep things in, hide things, not not be vulnerable. Yep. And and the effect to that is now that rubs off on the family.
1: Yeah, so that's um you know that's that was a big change. For me. And obviously a lot more time and space than I never thought I'd spent time in. If if you had said to me six years ago we've been having this conversation and I'd spend time on podcasts and and making movies and do all the stuff I do to try and make a difference to the world, like, there's not a chance. I'm not a guy who does anything for charity ever. I'll just do that later in my life. I'm not doing it right now. But yeah, I'd
3: spend a lot of my time doing that stuff now.
2: So we're gonna go on to this. This has been incredible, Jason. We're gonna do the
3: rapid fire round. It's a little bit. Um a little bit more you'll say. Um sure. favorite book.
1: A <laughs> favorite book? Yeah. Oh crap. You're putting me on the spot. Um yeah, oh, what would I say? Um I wish I could
3: say I read them. Oh.
1: Never split the difference.
3: I've heard that. That's a good one. That's a great uh, book. Favorite, favorite food. Favorite food? Steak. Favorite sports
1: team? I don't follow sports. I don't have no time for that. Time <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how guys who keep all the stats in their head. No offense if you guys do about all the teams and all the players and all the. I have no idea how you do that. No idea. I have Who's no room in my head for that.
2: They didn't follow sports. It's amazing. It, I don't. There's so, zero room. Zero room for that.
0: I, I'm part of a uh, fantasy football league with Rob. It's it's probably what four years now. Yeah. Four or five years, and I, I, I watch football when I can, but all the guys in this this fantasy football league, they are diehard football fans. So we're we're on a a, a text thread, and these guys go on and on about so and so and running, yardage and the and catching. It's like, oh my god, I, I don't have I I can barely keep the stuff from work in my head. Now we're going to think about these guys catching and who's – I'm
1: just, I'm just not like. that smart. I can't – look, you want, to know, you want to know the time of year I hate? And this you guys are going to laugh. March Madness. Do you want to know why? <laughs> because my wife has the goddamn TV on constantly watching the damned games. And I'm trying to – I'm like trying to avoid her, trying to avoid the family <laughs> room. Because I don't want to – I'm like, I can't – I hate it. <laughs>
0: So I can't I can't keep up with the guys and and the and the discussion on uh, on, on football. Um, I do watch when I can. I just don't know everybody on the team. Yeah, I
1: don't, I, yeah. Team. I will play any sport you want to. Um, happy to go do it at fifty six, but uh, I'm not watching.
2: It. Yeah, I'd rather play than watch. To be honest. Um, favorite dad moment.
3: Favorite
1: dad moment. I'll tell you, it's all around the same thing. Um, when the kids from the age of three until 18, I would take them all on a trip every year by myself. And it'd be three to five days, wherever they want to go. If I didn't have any money, it might be, we'll go there where we're going to stay in the Motel 6, and we're going to drive. <laughs> to, you know, yeah. You know, Kyle, Kyle got his, chipped out of his trip last year, so we went to Egypt for COVID, so... His trip will be Egypt this year. But um for me as a dad who worked a whole bunch and traveled a whole bunch, to be able to say three or four days with my kid where it's just me and we've got to sort the crap out by ourselves. Love that every single so, year.
0: So do you take uh one child on a trip or all three?
1: No, one child each got a trip by themselves every year. Now now that they're all older now, the house it's a little different because you know, they're getting married and we don't do that anymore. But now we would do it would be just Three to four days every year, I do four trips a year. Very nice. And it doesn't have to be spending a lot of money. We might go down to San Diego, because I'm an hour away, and we might go to the zoo. And then we go to the wild animal park, or we might walk around the park. It's not about money. It's about time. I love that. I,
2: this, is, this is the worst rapid-fire round. So <laughs> at March Madness, funny enough, you said you don't like it. <laughs> Me and my dad went to Vegas. And you mm-hmm. know, obviously I'm older, but you know it was like, hey, I got to spend you know three, or four days with my dad, watching yeah. like, basketball games and just hanging out. Like, I don't even think I gambled at all. Like, just watch basketball games and hung out with my father. Mm-hmm. Like, it was great.
1: If you guys haven't started doing that, I strongly suggest you start doing that with your kids. You will, It's just a whole other experience. You know, they yeah, can't I, call their can't mom. Like they that. can't do anything like that. And there's just you guys, and you got to figure it out. It's fun. So
0: what what we've done, my wife and I, and we've done this since our kids were were young, is on their birthday, we'll take the child's birth, the, whoever's ever birthday it is, and we'll take them out to dinner, just the three of us.
1: Yep. And try going away for four days with your kid by yourself, and you be—that's a whole other world. You can't hand them off to anybody. Yeah. You've got to entertain them the whole time by yourself. It's it's like it just changes everything, and the relationship—holy cow—it really tweaks it. Like you and your daughters?
3: It's it's really special.
1: Definitely that's definitely on my to-do.
3: Favorite vacation
1: spot? Uh I've got a cottage with my brother up in Canada. That's where I grew up. We have it together. It's a great deal for him. I pay half and he gets to use it all the time. But I'm there a couple times here.
2: <laughs> and this is this is uh between Favorite dad moments is my favorite question. Best dad joke. (laughs)
1: That's 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 dad. Okay. I'm gonna give you my only joke I know. It's probably a dad joke to a point. All right. Guy walks out on the ice. He's got his auger and he's gonna dig a hole in the ice. Go ice fishing. So he's digging this hole, draining this hole years. There's no fish under the ice. He looks up, he goes, okay. He picks up his bucket and his auger. He moves over like 50 feet, maybe 30 feet. And he goes, he starts drilling in. There's no fish under the ice. He stops, he looks up, he goes, God? God? No, this is the ice rink manager. (laughs) That's about as dad joke as I get, guys. Sorry. That's great.
0: Oh my God. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, where can our listeners uh, find, find information or, or find Yeah. Out so, find if you
1: go to um, guys, I have, if you go to tellmystory.org, tellmystory.org, you'll find my hot lava talk that talks about the difference between when I grew up and when Ryan grew up. That's a TED talk. You'll see a goal cast that I filmed in Montreal talking to a bunch of dads, um, which um, they did a really good job on. You can go to Amazon Prime or any streaming service and see Tell My Story in the movie. Um, the, the movie, What I Wish My Parents Knew, the trailer is up on Tell My Story. And that, that's a film where I interviewed um, nine kids about their mental health. And we have a 45-minute program that you can see me talking to these kids about their them, it's, it's fascinating to watch the entire thing. It's only available as a school program. But we, we put it into schools for parents to watch. 45 minutes of that and 45 minutes of a mental health expert coming in locally to talk to you about your kids and how to talk to your kids. That's what that new film is, and that's what I wish my parents knew. And I'd love anybody's help. You can reach out to us on the site. I've got a whole team that will help you bring that to your school. Um, I know the school year is ending, but we're, we're ramping up to do a whole bunch of these, probably three, four hundred of them, in in the fall, and the final one I've got that's brand new and I'm really, really proud of is my my musical partners and I uh, put together an album with BMG Music that comes out in uh, on the 21st of the month, and it's called Songs for the Drive Home. And Songs for the Drive Home is exactly what it sounds like. We wrote ten songs for you to play in the car with your kids. Song Side A is for younger kids, tweens. Side B is for older kids, and they're all songs about mental health. That's kind of done in the Jack Johnson kind of style where you're going to listen to it, they're going to listen, you're going to enjoy the music, you can tap your foot, kind of hum along. But there's a meaning behind every song, and it's meant to spark conversations in the car. Because most of these great right. conversations you can have with your kids can happen in the car. So Songs for the Drive Home is on BMG Music. It comes out um, on the 21st of May. That's
0: amazing. That is fantastic. I'd love that song for the drive home, but yeah I, I mean that's where a lot of the conversations can be sparked is on the drive home,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, you'll be able to find that on all the streaming services and all that kind of junk so
0: so if this is something <laughs> if this is something that um, i mean I'd love to contact my kids' school uh to let them know mm-hmm. about this. Just go to the website tellmystory.org. You go to
1: tellmystory.org and and you can just fill up the contact form and my people will get okay. back to you and we'll help put it in the school. Um, okay. I look at my mission is to get this into you know three four hundred schools this year. Ideally I five hundred by the end of the year. It's a pretty big goal, but um I am trying to make a huge difference in with parents and helping them own their kids' mental health and show them what to do to make sure that they don't have to go through what I did.
0: I'm definitely gonna to talk
2: to kids. School is it middle school, high school, elementary school? Yeah, it's
1: school it's kids? middle school, high school. It's not it's elementary school. Like, here's the challenge, guys. The kids are getting younger and younger. The attempts by kids who are eight, nine, ten years of age is crazy. When you when you watch what, what I wish my parents knew, um, it start it opens with a kid who's talking about when she's seven years old how she tried to attempt. These kids are saying that seven eight. You think that. It just comes up when they're 12, 13, 14, 15 years of age, 17 years of age, it doesn't. A lot of them knew exactly how they felt when they were seven and eight. They knew they were different. They didn't know what to say about it. So yes, it's for elementary
3: schools. It's for middle schools. It's for parents. I think a lot has to do with how, I mean, back when
0: when I grew up, you grew up, there were no phones. You went out, you played. Uh, You hung out with a friend. Your friends. You came home when the lights went on, and and Mm -hmm. and you had dinner. I think the issue is these smart devices. Information is at your fingertips. Bullying doesn't stop at the end of the school day. Bullying continues because there's online. It's 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 crazy.
1: It's absolutely. You're absolutely right. And. But I want you to understand something, everybody, is that you can change this for your kids. You can make a difference. It's not about a therapist. You send them a therapist. If you even have the money to do it, it's going to happen one hour a week, whatever, a month, two, three hours a week. They're with you 168 hours a week, where you know they're your responsibility. You will make a difference in your kid's life. You can save your kids. You can change their depression. You can change their anxiety. You can do this. You just have to do it. You have to take the time of talk to
3: them. One,
0: Jason, one last question that we ask all fathers, if there's, if you could impart uh, a few words of wisdom to any new fathers,
3: soon to be fathers, or even seasoned fathers, what would it be? Well, you're gonna screw it up. It's
1: okay. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to be tired. You're going to be angry. At I'm going to overwork. You're going to say the wrong thing. It's okay. Don't give up and don't think that it's ever gone too far, that you can't come back from it. My daughter and I, after Ryan passed, didn't talk for two and a half years. She didn't like the fact that I was doing the movie. She didn't like how public I was going. She, There's a whole bunch of things that we didn't get along with. Um, she felt that. I didn't treat her well. Um, it wasn't until she was 22 that we started talking again.
3: And there was a time, where I didn't think we'd ever talk again. But didn't give up.
1: And this is a big thing with girls these days. Twenty, you know, lots of people find 18, 20 year old girls just they they just end up not wanting to talk to their parents for a while but just no matter what happens don't give up they'll come back <clears throat> my daughter's getting married on June 17th and I am doing the ceremony which is really weird <laughs> really weird that they'd have me do anything but <laughs> so I'll be marrying them both so it it, it it don't worry about it just don't just keep trying your best that's all you can do Thank you very much, Jason.
0: Those are those are great, great words. Um, and that's another reason why we, we we do this podcast is to get the word out to other dads, um, to, to open up, be vulnerable. You know, you got to talk, which is super important.
1: Guys, it's not easy. Not easy being a dad, not easy being a guy. We get beat up a lot these days by the world, but being guys, but and doing guy stuff. I think it's okay being a guy. I think it's great being a guy. And I don't think we need to apologize for being guys.
0: Nope. No, we don't.
1: Nope.
2: Thank you, Jason, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I think this was great. And hopefully we'll get the word out and, and our listeners will, will spread the spread the
3: word too. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it.